If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Story time. It was just another day on the job for police officer Andrew as he set out to check a local crack house and arrest any drug dealers he might find. He brought his trusty canine companion along with him, as they made... Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. They're way deep into the woods, close to the national park. The weather was dark and rainy, adding to the eerie atmosphere of the already abandoned and dilapidated building. As he approached the crack house, Andrew shone his flashlight on the door, knocking several times before realizing there was no one inside. He then proceeded to force the door open, letting himself and his dog inside. But as soon as he stepped through the threshold, he knew something was off. The house was empty, not a single soul or drug in sight. But then, on a third floor he saw something that made his blood run cold. It was a ghost, or at least that's what it looked like. It was tall and angry, letting out a blood-curdling screech as it lunged towards him. Andrew tried to defend himself, pulling out his gun and firing several shots, but they had no effect on the ghost-like figure. His dog, sensing the danger, tried to attack the ghost, but it was to no avail. The dog just flew through the ghost and fallen of the window, dying in a matter of seconds. Panicking, Andrew ran out of the crack house and back to the safety of his patrol car. He radioed for backup, but no one believed his story of a ghost in the woods. They thought he was just imagining things, or worse, making it up. But Andrew knew what he saw, and it haunted him for weeks to come. He couldn't shake the image of the ghost-like figure from his mind, and he couldn't help but wonder if it was still out there, lurking in the woods, waiting for its next victim. Andrew never went back to that crack house, and the area was forever abandoned, avoided by both the police and the locals. But some say, on a dark and rainy night, if you listen closely, you can still hear the ghost screech echoing through the woods. I'm an officer here in the Philippines. I would like to share with you my very own story. I'm stationed in a small town in the island of Mindanao. It was a small town with very few residences. It was a quiet and peaceful place only a few cases of criminal activity are even reported monthly. On the night of November 1, 2005, we received a rather peculiar case. It was about a sighting of some unknown entity near a local cemetery. Usually, the cases that we get to are robberies, street fights, and once a month we'll get a murder, but once in a blue moon we'll get a case about something supernatural. Now before the prior sighting of the unknown entity, seven children between the ages of five and nine have now been reported missing in the past few weeks. 
It was a case we have no leads on nor any clues except that they mysteriously disappeared near said place near the cemetery. They were part of the families that lived near the cemetery. In the Philippines, kidnappers are notorious in some places, they would take children who look healthy and would sell their organs and maybe child traffickers. The timing was also in line with All Souls Day. We Filipinos are superstitious people so the town people were quite alarmed about the incident. The entity that was linked to the missing children and as soon as the word got out many believed the culprit was none other than this mysterious entity in question. Many experts in terms of the supernatural claims that the entity was eating the young souls of children and many people swarmed the precinct requesting a very active investigation. I was one of the dispatched police assigned to investigate said case, just to show that we listen to the people and also maybe we'll find a clue of this time who's behind it the real culprit behind the missing child. Personally, I don't believe in all that while I do have a strong faith in God and I'm a Christian that's it. Anyway, it was now the next morning November 2nd, 2005, and the two of us were sent to investigate the scene. When we got there people are surrounded by the tree beside the cemetery, it was the same entity we had been seeing nearby. By the way, the witnesses claimed that the entity was a maligno or a malevolent spirit. These spirits live in mounds, rocks or trees. They described this spirit having long slender spider arms, a big hairy body, one eye, no mouth and ears, and a long tail. They claimed to try to drag a child inside the cemetery at night. The night of November 1st this is the spot where it happened and people are scarce. We already tried to talk to the child but the parents won't let us say they are adamant while keeping their children inside. This is why they surrounded it with salt and anyone beside a family member was simply not allowed to enter. We had gone to the place where it happened after looking around we couldn't find any clues. We stayed and surveyed the area. We went back at noon after finding nothing. Then when 7pm struck we received yet another call that the entity showed up once again. So and me and the other officers went there and found people panicking. It was All Souls Day so people were visiting the grave of a family during the incident people were pushing each other causing injuries. We got to the site where the entity was seen and there were people pointing towards an old tree. They're saying that it appeared near but then disappeared immediately. We firmly took control of the situation made people clear out of the area. The town officials also showed up and were notified. They helped people calm down and me and other officers split up to try and find clues. Perhaps this could just be a prank. I went towards a less populated area or a place where less gravestones were. It could be where the culprit would run to. I thought I was carefully advancing when all of a sudden I saw a shadow in my peripheral vision in my left eye immediately. I turned towards it but there's nothing and I felt something tugging my leg before falling forward. I was caught off guard and easily losing my balance. I hit the ground hard. I was able to use my hands to stop myself before my face hit the ground. I was about to stand when I was dragged by my left foot quite hard. I could feel my feet being clasped by something big and rough. I could feel the texture beneath the cloth and it hurt so much at the moment. My heart was racing and my thoughts were jumbled. I couldn't explain it but at that moment it felt like I was in a sleep paralysis. I felt so much negative energy. I couldn't move. I knew this wasn't normal. 
I was aware of my surroundings but it felt like something heavy was on my chest at the time. I knew I had simply encountered the Maligno. I felt like I was dragged for a long time when suddenly I woke up and found myself lying on the ground. I was unresponsive towards whatever happened prior just staring blankly at the sky. I still remember that I had no thoughts at the moment. I tried to stand but found myself unable to. My left foot was bruised and swollen again at the time. I knew it hurt. I could feel it hurting but my mind was unresponsive. After not being able to stand I sat on the ground like I was mindless. It didn't take long before I felt normal again. I didn't know how long I was sitting there. I don't remember after the feeling of being aware came back. I called for backup while looking around panicking and praying out loud. After a while my colleague arrived but I still didn't feel secure. I wanted to get out of there. Years already passed and I still remember that one night very vividly. I was so helpless. I couldn't even look at the malignant. I thought to myself always maybe that's what the children felt that they were no sign of a struggle. I can't express or explain how scary the experience was. I told my story to others already and some believe while others did not. The missing children were not found. No culprit was apprehended. Also all the trees in and near the cemetery were cut down. No children went missing again. I have worked as an officer in Houston for a few years now, but this is one of the most terrifying experiences I've ever had. This occurred before I was married and I was working the night shift often. Our police station is kind of small, but we have an honest, hard-working team of officers here. My partner's wife had been expecting at the time and he was there with me until about 10.30 p.m. He found out his wife's water had just broke and began experiencing contractions, so he opted out and got home to be with his wife. There was nobody else left at the station, which was okay considering there wasn't a whole lot to do anyway. I had my patrol scheduled in an hour around the block, but I had to finish some paperwork, making sure all my stuff was in order. I went outside, did my patrol and finished. I didn't spot anything out of the ordinary. It was like that until I was walking back to the station and the flickering lights caught my attention. The police station has a backup always active so that much flickering in the entire building was just weird, but that wasn't the weirdest thing. It was actually a small boy around 10 years of age standing with a teddy bear in his hand, facing the building with his back to me. And I immediately began looking around. Who would leave a 10-year-old boy here at 1.25 am? Outside of a police station? My instincts kicked in, and thoughts began swarming my mind. Was he abandoned by parents struggling financially or mentally? And maybe he was injured? I called out to him and I started running up to him. He turned around, and just then the lights began to stop flickering. The boy had brown hair and sparkling eyes. I bent down on my knee and lightly grabbed his shoulders as I appeared to stay calm and inspect him from his head down to his toe, searching for any signs anywhere that he was hurt as I asked for his name. He explained to me that his name was Tom. When I asked if he was hurt, he shook his head softly. I scanned the area quickly again, but no signs of anybody there. I patted Tom's head and told him to come inside with me. I kept a secret stash of chocolates with me in one of my drawers. 
I have a bit of a sweet tooth. I opened it up and gave one to the boy. I asked him how he ended up here at the station. He was breathing rapidly and sweating a lot. It was very concerning. He kept along looking at the sides as if he was expecting someone or something to jump right at him. He heaved a sign that motioned for me to come closer as if he wanted to whisper something. He was a kid, so I thought, sure why not. He began to whisper while looking down at his teddy bear in his lap. He told me that he had three friends he used to play with him. He called them Ruth, Drew, and Calvin. I was taking notes as he was telling me. Tom said they got into a fight earlier today about something he was not aware of during the argument. Ruth Drew and Calvin began to get violent with each other and ended up hurting Tom's mom just a while ago. Calvin disappeared soon afterwards and said that he would come after Tom and whoever he'd call for help. Ruth and Drew helped Tom get to the police station to get help for his mother. As you'd expect, it was clearly a child's tale with no realistic element, but still I tried to go on from what he had told me. I had asked him to describe how his friends looked like and Calvin especially. Tom said that he couldn't do that even if he described it to me. Adults could not see them. That was the point when I was sure the kid was just playing around and it was just his own invisible friends he was talking about. I put down my pen, asking the boy where his mom was. Tom started to cry and said he already told me she needs help and I was not listening to him. I asked him how I could help his mother. He said he'd show me the way to his home. I thought, what the heck? that's a good thing. I'd help the boy get back home. So I ruffled Tom's head and told him to lead the way. He grabbed my hand and both of us began to walk fast with Tom leading me. We took a few turns and went on the 48th street. When Tom ran inside a house and told me to hurry up. Drew said his mom didn't have that much time left. I didn't know what to do at that time but I thought there was no harm in just checking out the house. I thought I could talk to his mother and tell her about his late night adventures and she definitely needs to put a stop to it. As soon as I stepped in the house, I immediately recognized the ironic smell of fresh blood. I took out my weapon, got in stance, being ready to fire. I announced myself and that whoever was in there should get out with their hands above their head, but there was nobody. I heard Tom calling me again from the distance. I rushed to him found him bent over a woman's body in a pool of her own blood. Tom wasn't crying but he was looking at me, pleading with his eyes to help him. I radioed it in right at that moment and checked her pulse. She was still alive but barely. I called 911 and within a few moments, the woman was on a stretcher on her way to the hospital. When backup was there we searched the house in nearby area but nothing suspicious, no signs of a forced entry, no signs of fight or struggle or anything. The woman had a cut on the back of her head as if she had fallen and hit her head against a shelf or something. Still no shelf could have given that sharp and deep of a cut. We never found out what happened really. The woman recovered. She said she didn't remember anything really. Tom stayed to his earlier count which wasn't really helpful but very creepy. I have two identical events that have occurred, and I've never figured out how to explain it. Years ago, I remember casually walking through the basement of my home as a teen and passing my little sister, who I'm going to call M, 
who was probably 12 at the time. As I made my way around a corner to the stairs, I passed my same little sister M running from the main floor down the stairs. I immediately stopped her and asked what had happened, because I had just passed her in another room 30 seconds ago. She was confused, and I decided not to mess with what had just happened because it spooked me. For reference, this home is located in southern Idaho about 20 minutes from the Shoshone Fort Hall Reservation. I never looked into that 30 seconds that I couldn't wrap my brain around. However, a year or so later, my family was on a camping trip in western Wyoming. I'm walking with my older sister past the crafting lodge and watch my little sister M run in. We walk for a half mile or so down the only trail that crosses the campsite to the bathrooms. As we reach it, we see M run out of the bathroom. My older sister stops me and is freaked out, because M had just been in a craft lodge half a mile away and it would have been impossible for M to cross the campsite without us seeing her. I was mainly freaked out because this time, it had been pointed out by someone else. I still don't know if it means anything but I thought people here might know or have similar experiences. This happened to me in January of 2019 in Western North Carolina around the small town of Silva. I was participating in a week-long program to get certified as a first responder for wilderness first aid and rescue. I am studying to become a forester and it is important to know how to keep people alive in the woods when things go wrong. There are two primary locations in the complex, a classroom with some bathrooms and a kitchen where we spent most of the day in class and ate meals, and a group of one-room cabins on top of a steep hill directly north of the classroom where we would sleep. An important thing to note about the cabins is the heating system. Each cabin has a small, but powerful, radiator in it that makes the cabin feel like a sauna if left on for too long. Since it was January in the Appalachians, it was pretty chilly outside at night, so the heat was needed. In order to strike a balance between boiling in our beds and getting hypothermia, we would turn on the radiator and leave a window open so that warm and cold air could circulate and create a reasonable temperature, don't get at me about the waste of power, I didn't like it either. The radiator and the open window were at the front of the cabin, next to the door, and my bed was directly across from the window. The incident happened on the fifth day, a Thursday, of my time there. My boyfriend and I, who was enrolled in the program with me, had settled down for the night in the cabin we shared with one other person. We had gone to sleep as normal and were sleeping soundly on two bunks that we had pushed together so we could sleep next to each other. Sometime during the night, I was woken up by some shuffling on the other side of the room near the window. I heard my boyfriend say in a complaining voice can't we close this window? I wake up feeling frozen. I woke up more and sat up in my bed groggily, about to answer him, when I heard another voice say, if we close the window, it'll get too hot and we'll wake up sweaty. I snapped awake and froze where I was sitting. The voice that had responded was my voice. There is something very strange and wrong in hearing your voice repeated back at you. In the dark, I looked down next to me where I saw my boyfriend sleeping soundly. At this point, a mortal dread had a tight grip on my chest and I forced myself to not move or even blink. I was focused intently on the place near the window, fearfully anticipating more of my own words. 
I heard more shuffling outside the window and my same words were repeated, if we close the window, it'll get too hot and we'll wake up sweaty, followed quickly by my boyfriend's voice again, can't we close this window? I wake up feeling frozen. Towards the end of the last repetition of my boyfriend's words, there seemed to be an unevenness in the enunciation, like raising and lowering the pitch slightly. I remained frozen in my bed, feeling my hand fall asleep in my propped up position. I sat there for what felt like 15 or 20 minutes, listening to whatever it was shuffle around in front of our window, separated from me by some odd 10 feet in window mesh. Eventually, the shuffling became more frequent, and a weird mumbling sound came from outside the window, with no real words being said, or none that I could make out. This particular behavior didn't last long before the shuffling sound moved to the left of the window to the door, where a scratching sound began to manifest. As the sound moved, I saw the silhouette of a medium height, 5 feet 6, figure that moved in an uncanny way, like when a baby animal tries to walk for the first time but isn't quite strong enough to stand up correctly. It sounded like someone was scraping some dry sticks against the wood of the door, not aggressively, but kind of like an impatient dog asking to be let in. This scratching slowly moved around the cabin, stopping when it reached the wall that I was closest to. My ears were strained to hear anything that might indicate further action, but all I could hear were footsteps on the dry leaves. The footsteps eventually move away from the cabin and down the other side of the hill and didn't return for the rest of the night. I stayed unmoving from my position for at least another half hour before my body readjusted itself slightly, letting blood flow back into my asleep limbs. I was wide awake until the my boyfriend's and other roommates' alarms went off some time before dawn to get ready for the day, which felt like maybe two hours but I couldn't be certain because I didn't have a clock. My boyfriend was surprised that I was awake before him, as I am typically a later sleeper, but I just told him his alarm woke me up and tried to act somewhat normally. We got up and got ready for our day, but I refused to leave the cabin until the sun began to peek over the mountains. For the rest of the week I was on edge and felt like there were eyes on me whenever it was relatively dark out, though I am not sure how much of that was raw paranoia. In the day following the incident at night, I had realized the lines that were repeated to me by the voice were a part of a conversation that my boyfriend and I had had earlier in the week, and I came to the conclusion that whatever it was had been outside our cabin and heard us talking. This scared me a great deal, as I also realized that it had likely been lurking there in the following nights as well without us realizing it and might do so again for our remaining nights, though it ended up not coming back. I waited to tell my boyfriend about this until we had left the program because he scares easy and was already a little wary of walking in the woods at night up to the cabins. It should be noted that I know this to not be a sleep paralysis experience, as I have had them before and they were nothing like this, not to mention I was able to move. I am posting this here also as a means of asking for advice in addition to getting it off my chest as this winter I will have to return to the same location to renew my certification, expires two years after acquisition, and I want to know as much as I can so I can hopefully avoid another encounter. I know the entity for which this board is named is pinned on a lot of strange encounters, but I don't have a better idea of what it could be. If there is a similar entity that exists in my area, I'd be glad to hear about it and what I can do, 
if anything, to avoid it. I have been staying in Gallup, New Mexico and working on Navajo Nation both on the New Mexico and Arizona side doing 3D mapping for fiber optic cable routes. Overall, it has been a great experience knowing that my work will help bring high-speed internet to tribe members far outside of any city centers on the reservation. My encounters with the Navajo people have been very positive. To complete these 3D maps, I drive around a vehicle with LiDAR GPS lasers, and a 5-angle 3D camera, so naturally people are a little suspicious when they see me driving around. Before I went on the reservation, my company who is subcontracted by the cable provider, made sure to confirm that we had the express permission of the tribal authority to operate. I say this, because my route took me on roads that few white people would ever venture down, especially without tribal blessing. We're talking six miles on a two-track with the nearest highway nowhere in sight. So, with that said, I think that in my driving on these routes that I either encountered the home of a skinwalker, or, I hit some kind of spiritual tripwire that alerted certain Navajos to my presence on the spiritual plane. The man in the light blue truck, so in Gallup, on my off time, I decide to hike the surrounding areas. First I went to the Metmore Trailhead and hiked a small mesa. The hike was absolutely picturesque with a beautiful juniper and sage landscape. I pushed it hard, it was 95 degrees and I went 11 miles. It was worth every bit of the suffering. But the strange this, when I finally got back to my car at the trailhead a man in a light blue truck pulled up right as I was walking up. Instantly, I caught a bad vibe. I did not undergo my usual post-hike stretch and water dump all over my head on a hot day. Instead, something told me to get in the car and drive. Which I did. I thought that this was a strange encounter and that was the end of it. But it wasn't. Two days later I went to the Hillso trailhead, 15 miles away in the pines. As I pull up to the trailhead, I see the same light blue truck, and the same man, just sitting there, staring out into the distance like he did before. Again, the hairs on the back of my neck went up. I went to the bathroom, and contemplated turning around, but I decided to continue on anyway. I hiked up, thinking the feeling would go away. It did not. It only got worse. Way worse. The entire hike I got the impression that someone or something was following me. It was palpable. A primal sense as if there was a mountain lion ahead of me on the trail. The feeling got so intense on the way back, that I carried my knife with me. I have never felt the need to carry my knife. When I got back the guy was gone. Thank God but I could not help but come away with the impression that he was checking me out somehow spiritually. Believe me, I know this isn't the hard evidence you all are looking for, but trust me when I tell you, the eerie vibe was otherworldly. Also, the odds of this guy being at both spots, once when I just ended, and once when I just began the hike, are a little too high for comfort. But there have been other instances. I have had crows follow me around the reservation roads in ways that don't seem to make sense. Once, when I was taking down my gear in Tohatchi, a crow literally seemed to say my name. I looked up and he was on a power pole. He just stared me down. Also, his cause did not sound like a crow's.
It was very bizarre. So long story short, while I did not physically encounter a skinwalker, I think I encountered some kind of envoy of dark spiritual forces of the Navajo in that man in the blue truck, and the crows. What do you guys think? In any event, I trust my feelings. I'm Rick Martinez, truck driver, coming back from Utah going into Nevada. I pulled over to update my logs got up on top of a hill to a rest area. Nothing but desert all around me. No cars no nothing. As I was writing into my log book I felt like somebody was staring at me. So I looked up and saw this old man standing there all raggedy with a long beard just staring at me. So I rolled down my window and asked him are you okay and he wouldn't answer. So I repeated are you alright do you need help do you want some water? He still would not answer me so I opened the door and stood on my step and said I'm not coming down there you need to come over here, he would not answer. So I told him okay old man last chance if you need help tell me now. So I got back in my truck closed the door. Put my truck in gear and started to roll off. He started to walk alongside the truck. I'm thinking I'm gonna end up running this guy over so I just said let me get out of here. As I pick up speed he starts running alongside the truck. And I'm thinking f crazy old man. I start picking up more speed getting ready to get back on the highway and I turn to look to make sure I'm not gonna run this guy over. And he's not there. What I see instead is a coyote running next to me and that coyote kept up with the truck for at least a couple blocks. Until finally I started pulling away from him. I didn't want to look in the review mirror anymore I just wanted to get away. I grew up Mormon and served my mission on the Navajo and Hopi reservations. I experienced a lot of things that I still can't explain, but there is one that stands out. I was living in Chinle, Arizona, which is close to the border of the Hopi and Navajo reservations. We were visiting a family out near Many Farms, Arizona and left at about 9.30 p.m. All of the roads in that area are dirt roads. We had just pulled out of the driveway and we saw a man standing in the field on the other side of the road. He was a younger-looking Native American man, probably in his 30s. It's hard to describe what we felt. I guess it was just a feeling of dread. He was just standing there and staring at us. I was driving and my companion and I both came to the conclusion that we needed to get the hell out of there. The roads are rough on the res, but we were used to driving fast on them. It is actually smoother the faster you go. So we took off pretty quickly. The man in the field started running next to our truck and staring into the passenger side window. I kept accelerating and the man kept pace with us. We were going 50 miles an hour when he fell out of our view. We were too scared to look back to see what happened. I kept speeding up until we were going as fast as I could safely drive on those roads. The next morning, we called the main office for our mission and spoke with the mission president. After we told him our story, he said that it has happened to other missionaries before. He told us to try not to think about it or talk about it with others, because it could attract them to us. We just tried to forget about it but also did not venture into the deeper res at night. I have a story, it isn't mine, but it happened to my uncle. 
He used to tell this story when we went camping and it scared the lights out of me every time I heard it. We live in Utah and my uncle, Mark, went on a mission at 19. They sent him to an Indian reservation in Arizona. They paired him up with a companion named Carl. When they first got there, there was a huge rift with the locals on the reservation with them being there. They didn't want my uncle and Carl staying on the reservation grounds. Eventually they came to a compromise that they would stay on the outskirts in a trailer. This reservation wasn't very big and was located next to a heavily wooded area. The first night, they were trying to sleep when all of the sudden their trailer started to shake violently back and forth. Startled and not sure what was happening, they climbed under their table for cover. Mark could distinctively hear someone pushing it from both sides of the trailer, like a group of people. After about five minutes, it stopped. That next day, they made rounds on the reservation and were talking to the locals. Carl made a comment to one of the families that their trailer was shaking that night before. The family got very quiet and then told them they had to leave. They thought it was strange, but didn't think much of it. The next night it happened again. They awoke to their trailer shaking back and forth. Again they climbed under the table until it stopped. This went on for two more nights. Anytime they tried to talk to anyone about it, they got quiet and told them to leave. Mark started thinking that, due to the tension of their arrival, the locals were doing this to scare them off the reservation. They then go into a convenience store and they were talking together about how frustrated they were with the situation. The clerk overheard and said, they can't talk about it. It's forbidden. Confused, they ask him, can't talk about what? The guy continues to tell them about the skinwalkers. He says they are evil demons that were once Native American witches. If they talk about it, the skinwalkers will come for their souls. They just walked out of their baffled. They thought it was another scare tactic. So that night, when the shaking started again, my uncle decided to be brave and confront them. He went to the trailer door, flew it open, and yelled hey. When he did that, he saw these three animals run off. Two were a wolf, one was a bear. But they looked strange. Almost with human features. As he watched them run towards the trees, all three stood up on two legs, and walked slowly towards the trees making a human cackling laugh. It scared him so bad that they called their mission president that next morning and asked to be moved. They were relocated that day. For a year nothing happened. One day, they announced that Carl was being relocated to another city and Mark was getting a new companion, Jimmy. They had to drive for about an hour to pick Jimmy up from the airport. The road they traveled went through the boundaries of the reservation. They arrived at about 8 p.m. and met Jimmy, and they go to leave. The mission president tells Jimmy, we are driving through a dangerous area at night, so we can't make any stops. If you need to use the restroom, you need to go now. Jimmy says, I am fine. The mission president gets serious enough to even freak out Mark, I am not kidding, go to your business. Jimmy was insistent he was fine. So they hit the road. As they were about 30 minutes into the drive, they were going through the area of the reservation boundaries, Jimmy starts complaining that he needed to pee badly. The mission president says, we can't stop here. You'll have to hold it. Jimmy keeps going on, I really can't hold it. 
So the mission president stops the car and says, okay, but you will do your business next to the door, and if I say get into the car, you better get into the car fast. With a look of confusion, Jimmy says, all right. Opens the door, and starts to do his business. About five seconds later the mission president says nothing and just yanks Jimmy into the car and floors it. Jimmy and Mark start freaking out, what is going on? The mission president says nothing and just increases his speed. All of a sudden, Mark sees something next to the car to his right. A giant wolf-looking man was running on two feet next to the car. Mark looked at the speedometer, they were going over 60 miles an hour and still increasing. The wolf creature kept right next to the car for 10 minutes until it finally took off into the trees. Shaking, Jimmy gets out of the car when they arrive, they didn't speak through the whole ordeal, and says, what did I just see? The mission president says, next time I tell you to take care of your business, you take care of your business. A few years ago I used to have to do a long drive from northern Illinois down to western Kentucky about twice a month. I had gotten to the point where I knew the drive like the back of my hand. Sometimes it was actually a lot better to make the drive early evening and do a bulk of the 9 hour drive through the night getting me there about 1.32 am. No traffic and in the summer it was relaxing to drive with all the windows down. After crossing into Kentucky there was about 2 hours of road without even highway lights. But like I said I'd done it so many times before. One of my last trips I had been heading down that stretch and I had my brights on, in the distance on my driver's side of the shoulder I could see what I thought was a deer, got a little closer and I realized it was a wolf. Now I'm coming up on this and it's on all fours but its back had to be almost level with the roof of my sedan. I thought holy f that thing's huge. Now I'm doing probably 80 miles per hour and I swear we lock eyes. I can feel him looking directly at me. I'm getting closer and closer. Now I can actually see his teeth, I couldn't believe what I was seeing was an actual animal. Then as I'm probably 50 feet from this thing about to pass it on the driver's side shoulder it stood up on two legs still staring directly into my eyes. I passed and the rest of the drive I tried to figure out what I had seen or should I loop back? I never told anyone that story because most people would say oh it was late, your mind was messing with you but still to this day I won't forget how long that stare down was. I can't help but think I didn't catch him by surprise. More like he wanted me to see him and if he really wanted to stop me he could have. These are the stories told to me by my two best friends of 20 years. I'm gonna preface this by saying these two are some of the most honest people I've ever known, and it took them years before they'd speak to me about this stuff. Once I was able to convince them to tell me about this, the older of the two brothers broke down into tears and abruptly left about halfway through the first story. It's just too traumatic for him to relive. I felt bad for that and haven't asked him to speak about it since that day. His younger brother that I'm closer with provided the detail, as well as their cousin who carries a religious title that's essentially an enforcement position designated to deal with the presence of skinwalkers and related threats. This is a really long post so buckle up. I was told that the Zunis are a bit different compared to other reservations in New Mexico, 
specifically because when the U.S. government sanctioned land to all the native tribes, the Zunis didn't work with the government. Anybody who's traveled through NM knows there's a casino on almost every reservation. The Zunis do not have a casino because they refuse to work with the government and specifically refuse to provide information about their heritage and the land they live on. My buddy told me the tribal elders taught him that the Zunis are in that specific area because they're protecting secrets of the land. I'm gonna add in a couple details that pertain to the story, and I'll expand on that later. Apparently, my friend the younger brother was born with a split tongue, like a lizard, and slits in his pupils instead of being round. You're probably making the face I made when I was first told that, but keep in mind all of this is religious to the Zunis. They're very serious about all of it. They do not allow non-tribal members this knowledge nor do they allow the presence of non-Zunis. You can be visit if invited, but would not be allowed to stay during certain times. I'll start with the first story they shared when we were around 13 years old, and is the first experience of many that is too much for my friend to relive. He said he was very young, and was woken up abruptly in the night to glass breaking. When he opened his eyes his dad already in his son's room motioned to him to stay where he is and be quiet while pointing a large revolver toward the kitchen where the window was broken. Not long after, his dad fired multiple shots, he then heard a screech so loud it hurt his ears along with a scuffle in the next room and saw a shadow on the wall that he said did not look or move anything like a person. Apparently whatever was in the house immediately leapt out the same window that was broken to get in. He said the adults gathered and left to find it shortly after, but was never told what they found, just that it was definitely a skinwalker. The day after he broke down into tears talking about it, I went and saw him and was apologizing and surprisingly he said the shadow and screeching he saw scarred him and is ultimately why they left the reservation. I never asked him about it again. Another instance that the older brother told me, was one that left me particularly intrigued, though I'm not sure why compared to some of the other stories. He said they were having some sort of celebratory feast one night, and my friend saw what he described as a very small person stealing their food while the adults weren't looking. He said it was around 1 to 2 feet tall, and when he saw it he immediately shouted to his dad and all the adults dropped what they were doing and immediately started chasing it trying to corner it. This went on for a while and during the commotion they realized there were multiple tiny beings, two of which were able to escape into the gutters. He said he remembers everybody trying to reach into the gutters and block them from getting away, but one was caught and he distinctly remembers his uncle holding it up high by the leg and he watched it scream in terror, and it sounded like a tiny human. Then they immediately tied it up and stuffed him into a cloth pouch and burned him alive over a fire. He said the way it screamed while burning terrified him because he could hear how much pain it was in. But they are human-like, by the way he explained them they seemed like something that looks like lawn gnomes, he doesn't know if they're necessarily evil but they kill every single one they come across. Not sure why but that one really creeps me out. The next eye I remember, the two brothers were together somewhere out in the wilderness hunting rabbits just outside the reservation. They were walking home because the sun had just went down, but came across a barely standing shack. Being dumb kids with a pellet gun, they went inside and shortly after a rock hit the wall of the shack. 
So they immediately go outside and within seconds notice commotion in the vegetation about 30 feet away. They had one flashlight so they pointed toward the movement, and a human-looking figure stood up, faced them with its head tilted to the side, described it as very very pale with facial features that were not human. He said I don't know how to explain it man it just didn't look like a person. So upon seeing that they immediately took off running back home and as soon as they did they see coyotes just sitting alongside the trail, standing off to the side, but all were just staring at them with no fear of their presence, and followed them all the way back. They said they were told by the elders they being warned off. And the commotion in the grass was the skinwalker changing form. They said they never went back to that area again, and the younger brother said he'd never been so terrified. I'm glad the younger brother told me about that story instead of his older brother. The younger brother still today is able to better deal with harsh realities. He told me that him and a couple friends would play around this mountain and knew where the entrance to a cave was. They tried to go into the cave but not far from in the entrance got too small for him to fit and even his 10-year-old torso wouldn't squeeze through the narrow opening. He said they were off to the side of the entrance hiding from another friend walking toward them, and noticed something moving very very fast going in and out of the cave entrance. He and his friend said they went back every day for over a week and would watch them for hours, but could never see what exactly they were, but were astounded at the speed they moved at, but didn't understand how they were getting in and out as they were much bigger than him. He was forbidden from ever going back after the adults found out what he and his friends were up to. As for their cousin that carries the title given to those who are there to deal with skinwalkers, I ended up getting pretty close with him too since his cousins are like family to me and I picked his brain one night. He said they consider them a manifestation of pure evil. They're ruthless, and they know they're not supposed to be around the Zuni people, they're fully aware of their actions. If they find out a skinwalker is near, they immediately hunt it down, catch it, and string it upside down over a fire and burn it alive till there's nothing left, bones and all. During that process he said the sounds they make is like nothing you'd hear anywhere else. He said you can't kill them with bullets, and there's different levels to their abilities. They can affect you in a variety of ways but always in a negative fashion such as leaving you sick, or dead. If I remember correctly, there's a time every year where everybody but him and others with his title stay inside and lock the doors and block the windows, and he will then walk the town in specific clothing and chant specific words then hunt skin walkers with his peers. I didn't really understand, but it was implied that skin walkers are expected to be present around this time. But he spoke about it like it's something completely normal. I think, it's like a holiday, and during this week or so there's a period where the skinwalkers arrive and that's the main reason they designate enforcers, that are trained to deal with them, and apparently never look the skinwalkers in the eyes. One last story I'm gonna share is not from the Zuni reservation, this is a story my uncle told me and takes place in a reservation outside Bernalio. A small city which is about 20 minutes away from Albuquerque, but I don't remember the name of the reservation. So my uncle was a sniper in the Air Force and saw combat in Panama. After leaving the military he was a firearm instructor for APD, Albuquerque Police, then for Bernalio. One day he gets a call about a drunk guy acting strange at the base of a mountain. So he shows up, 
but doesn't see anyone there. So he gets out and starts looking around and at the base of the mountain he finds clothes neatly folded. As he turns around he's surprised by what he calls the biggest wolf he's ever seen in his life, about 20 feet away walking straight toward him. He said it was around 5 feet tall, and staring right in his eyes, so he immediately puts his hand on his holstered gun, but doesn't draw and starts walking backward toward his car while the wolf continues toward him. Once he reached his unit he gets inside as fast as possible and when he shut the door it was now an inch away from his window. He said he had to look up at it while seated in his unit. He then makes a sorry I'm leaving gesture and drove down the road where he met one of the reservation officers. She asked him what happened since he was pale and visibly shaken, all he was able to muster was I dunno it's massive and I don't think I belong here I didn't. Ah and she immediately put her hand up and said don't worry about it I gotcha. I've been wondering when this would happen again, go ahead and get out of here. Then she drove off she didn't go to the area but rather parked her car sideways blocking the entrance to that area and started making calls. He says by the way that thing was looking directly in his eyes, not to mention the absurd size and aggression slash lack of fear also folded clothes, that he knew he was face to fave with a skinwalker and he hopes he never comes across something like that again. To end this, I'll talk about what the younger brother told me and shown me about their heritage. One day he took out a box and showed me the contents, saying that his father had given it to him and had been passed down from father to son for over a thousand years. Inside was a couple different dry plants and various things, but most notably a rock carved by hand of a reptile-like humanoid. It looked like a person but with armored scales and face with a protruding mouth and large teeth. I don't want anybody to think I'm a conspiracy theorist, cause I'm not but this thing looks exactly what I've heard explained reptilian aliens would probably look like. We were both pretty amazed, as he never really thought twice about what that would mean. Around this time we were getting stoned and entertaining ourselves with aliens and laughing about conspiracy theories. Keep in mind, this is the guy who was born with a split tongue and slits in his eyes. His mother confirmed that to me as well, he went on to tell me the Zunis are protecting the secrets of the land and their reservation doesn't have a casino because they refuse to sell out all their knowledge to the government. He said he was taught that beings came out from inside the earth and met with their people thousands of years ago. These beings live somewhere inside the earth where it's warm, and eventually these reptilian beings went back to live under the surface. I don't remember if they went back into the earth after they had some feud, or war, or if it was because of outsiders arriving but after they met the ancient Zunis for a short time they bred with each other. My buddy is apparently a descendant of those two species mixing and is why he was born with a split tongue and slits in his pupils. Now I don't know what connection skinwalkers have to this reptilian species that live inside the earth, or roasting tiny food thieves and celebrating while they scream through an agonizing death but I do find it very interesting that all of this is associated with native belief. I plan on going over all this with him too, as I'm going off of memory from 5 to 20 years ago. The younger brother is my closest friend so if anybody has questions I'll do my best to answer, or if there's something you'd like me to ask him I can do that as well.
I've done some extensive research as to find an explanation on what me and three other friends witnessed in broad daylight. And that research led me here. A couple friends and I were traveling along IH-40 when we needed to stop in Gallup to fill up the gas tank. The time was about 4 p.m. or so and we pull into the town. There was a gas station close by to the entrance so we decided to go there, and as we waited in the turning lane we noticed a girl slash boy, we couldn't tell what this person was because it had a hoodie on with the hood tightly secured around its head. As it walked in front of our vehicle it turned to look at us and the face we saw was not human at all. It had a long face with a pointy chin, a small nose and very big, elongated eyes. So of course, we all flipped the F out for a brief second as it turned away and began running. We attempted to follow it but in a matter of 5 F seconds it was gone. I'm hoping locals have seen similar things, because the only two guesses we have is that what we saw was either an alien or a shapeshifter similar to a skinwalker. I want to return to Gallup soon and stay for a few nights to really gain some clarity to it all. New Mexico has always been very mystical, and this is one of many experiences we had while just simply passing through. I've seen them all my life growing up on the Navajo Res, to the point there's no fear or exhilaration anymore. One of my most recent encounters happened a few years ago. I was trying to sleep in the bed of my truck and this strange dog tried to hop in the truck bed with me. I shoot him away and near the wheel well, where the dog went, an angry young man stood up. We were face to face for about a minute before he skipped, not sauntered or walked or ran but skipped off. Then the rest of the night, he tried breaking into my truck. He ignored me when I spoke to him. I had half a mind to shoot him before I instead drove off in the middle of the night. This was my boyfriend's experience, not my own. He grew up in Mesa, Arizona. Really early in the morning when he was pretty young, he woke up and couldn't fall back asleep. He looked at the window of his bedroom, and there was a man-slash-wolf crouched down on the driveway facing the window. He described it like a man with a wolf skin-slash-head on top of him. He went back to bed, still couldn't fall asleep, so he went back to the window and the creature was standing right there, with glowing eyes, peering into the window. He freaked out and crawled back into bed and just tried to go back to bed. Could have been a dream. I live on old native land in part of the Four Corners. 40 acres of very isolated property, and there are so many artifacts. Bones, arrowheads, worked rocks, etc. It's incredible. There are some cows that occasionally approach one side of the property line, and I like to go feed them with my siblings. Walk down to the fence with my sister, feeding the cows. I see this one that looks just utterly wrong. The angles are all wrong. The legs are slightly too long, it's too bony. Sickly palish color, weirdly angled joints. It was just wrong. My sister takes no notice of this cow, but it's watching me the whole time we feed the cows. As we turn to leave, I keep watching over my shoulder. And it stands up on two back hooves and sprints away, up and over the hill and into the distance. 
It was so quick, covered hundreds of feet in seconds. I was 16 at the time. I was driving down a back road with my then boyfriend. He was asleep at the time. It was about 2 a.m. I was half asleep when I see a deer, but taller standing on its hind legs. I almost crap myself as I slam on the brakes. We made eye contact, my BF woke up from the G-force A. He sees it and says drive drive now, I'm in panic as I shift into reverse. I speed backward for about 5 miles. I stop because I hit something. It scream. Human-like, blood everywhere. I look in the rear view mirror. It was the same deer but more humanly. We sped home and cleaned my truck the next day. I look in the cab of the truck and I see, an eyeball and an antler. I didn't get any photos because my phone was at home. When I was a kid, I had a terrifying experience which although I have grown out of, I still remember it and it kind of bring me chills. One day I was sleeping, and had the habit of covering my face while sleeping, I woke in the middle of the night somewhere between 2 or 3 hours, so I took the cover off cause it was hot and then I saw a huge dark figure with big horns standing in the middle of the room, I was terrified and screamed from the fear and immediately covered my face under the blanket which I stayed under crying from fear till morning, when I had the courage to take off the cover I was relieved that nothing was there anymore. I always thinking that maybe I am just imagining because your brain can play tricks on you in the darkness and I was specifically scared of the idea of ghosts and demons and was afraid to sleep alone as a kid, so maybe it was not real. But what I can tell you is that I was not dreaming that night and what I described is exactly what I saw. If any had any experiences like this share, it is good to talk about it so we can feel better move on. Cause ever since that time I didn't experience any of that not even sleep paralysis, so whatever it is, it feeds over your fear or it is just a fearful kid's hallucination in the dark. I lived in the tri-state area of Virginia. I had a lot of strange experiences in the woods that surrounded the property I grew up on. Now that I'm older I'm just now realizing how weird these experiences are. Two of them stick out hardcore and my mind is super weird. My first experience I was wandering in the woods across from my house. I loved going up there and doing and finding things like old bottles, rocks, and just whatever caught my attention, you know dumb kid stuff. I however did notice the bones, multiple large piles of bones. I just figured that some hunter had just left the carcasses out in the woods. It was turning dark and I was heading back home but I heard something behind me whispering my name. The voice was raspy and sounds broken in a weird way. I started running back in the direction of the house. The sound of footsteps followed me to the edge of the woods. A road ran in between my house and the woods, I turned around and looked back. I saw what looked like a dark shadow darting back into the woods. The second one is much more scary to me as I was older and remember it much more clearly. It was late at night my mom wasn't home at this as she was at a party and was going to be hanging out there for a few days that summer break. It was the middle of the night I had been spending it on the computer watching YouTube. I had gotten up to get something from the kitchen to drink. 
As I was coming back I heard my pet bloodhound scratching and howling on the outside of the door to be let in. Our house was fenced in so when she need to go out I just let her out and closed the door waiting for her to scratch at it to be let back in. I hadn't remembered letting her out but I figured I had just forgotten about it. As I was about to unlock and open the door I heard growling from behind. I had let her out but had let her back in just few hours ago before dark. She and the other dogs were standing behind me growling at the door fully ready to attack what was on the other side. I noticed that the scratching had stopped but the howling had distorted sounding more like broken version of it. I heard whatever was at the door run off. I tried to look out the window to see what was there all I saw was two yellow glowing eyes staring back at me from those woods. Nowadays I would have chalked all this up to a vivid imagination but I've never been able to imagine things as I have often Tasia. So I have absolutely no clue to what this was. I figure it was a skinwalker because I remember hearing that the local national park that would always pay actual Indians to travel up from, I think, Arizona to take part of the reenactment. But I don't know that's why I'm posting it here to see what you guys think. This could very easily not be a skinwalker, but wanted to post anyway. I was with my friends walking through the woods late at night a few weeks ago, and this area is supposedly haunted so some of them were scared. I was mentioning skinwalkers and how they can appear if you mention them just to try and scare my friends. Not too much later, we saw eyes in the woods, which appeared to be a mountain lion when we got closer. We live in South Central Connecticut, so mountain lions are extremely rare. My friends started running away and I followed, we looked back and saw the eyes behind us a few times but eventually it went away. Does this sound similar to other ski walker stories or am I just being paranoid? I was working late last night and while I was taking out the garbage. When I arrived at the dumpsters I smelled a stench similar to wet dog and blood. I looked up when I heard rustling in a bush and I saw a large black creature, about 7-8 feet tall, covered in fur. It appeared to be humanoid in shape, except with the head of a wolf slash coyote. It had its back towards me and was walking towards a dark area in the forest. I immediately ran away when I saw it so I didn't get a picture. I'm still not sure what it was. But my cowoker told me it was probably a skinwalker and I really can't think of any other explanations. Does anyone have any other explanations? Does anyone know if there are skinwalkers in this area? Should I be concerned? When my grandmother was younger, she was walking home from school. When she got to the farm that she lived on, she saw the figure of her mother out on the field waving to her and yelling her name beckoning her to come to her. My grandmother ran into the house to leave her backpack before going out to the field. When she got to the kitchen her mother was there cooking. There was no way that her mother managed to get in the house before her. Could it have been a skinwalker or a wendigo? This happened in northern Sweden so it shouldn't be possible that it was a skinwalker, right? It was her mother's voice as well so it couldn't have been somebody else. 